You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And before we get started, we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers Podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome in. A special thank you to all of our new listeners checking out the show for the first time. Definitely appreciate you guys giving us some time today and a special thank you to all of our loyal listeners as well. If you guys don't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast because it is a daily show. So that's always the fastest and easiest way to make sure you get every show. On today's show, we're going to be getting into a couple more college prospects that the Chargers have been confirmed to talk to. That's Asante Samuel Jr., the cornerback out of Florida State. And we also have a small school receiver that we're going to get into as well that they've already reached out and talked to. And then in the second segment, we're going to be getting into Daniel Popper's mailbag because he goes over what he would do if he was the Chargers general manager, including trading for Orlando Brown Jr. and cutting Trey Turner, among some other things. And then to wrap up the show today, we're going to be getting into Brandon Staley talking on the Chris Collinsworth podcast. He was on there with Richard Sherman and Chris Collinsworth, and he had a lot of interesting things to say, including talking about how to beat the Chiefs and the things he thinks are important with that, as well as talking about some of the special things from his quarterback, Justin Herbert. So, Let's go ahead and get into it. We have seen a couple of players already that the Chargers have met up with over Zoom at the NCAA level with a couple of prospects. And on Wednesday, we saw a couple more. And the big name, David, had to be Asante Samuel Jr., which is hilarious because we were actually just doing our mock draft Monday where you had the Chargers taking Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round of your mock. You had them getting an offensive lineman and Rayshon Slater. Then coming back around and getting Asante Samuel Jr. And you already, you know, have watched some tape and, you know, we'll get more into more of these guys' tape as things get going. Now, since they've met up with him, I have gotten to watch a little bit of tape as well. And I do think there's a lot to like from him. I mean, he was a good player on a really bad team, but I definitely can understand the interest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially if you're looking for a pure cover corner type of guy, then this is your man. I mean, Asante Samuel Jr., he's not the biggest guy. I mean, he's got decent size. He's 5'10", 183, a little small, I guess. But um, I'd say his strengths, I mean, he's really good in man coverage. He's pretty good in zone as well, has good quickness, agility, has a pretty good speed as well. Um, he's really good against the pass. I mean, and during his assignments, he's really smart. seems like he knows what's happening. But uh, against the run, <laughs> he's uh, he's definitely a liability. I mean, it's, it's not like he doesn't try. Um, he definitely provides effort and tries to go for it, but he takes bad angles and he doesn't really wrap up. I mean, I would not put on teaching tape for people to show them how to tackle with Asante Samuel Jr. I mean, that's what he has to work on. Uh, I think he is definitely a, a great cornerback prospect as far as pass coverage is concerned, Daniel. But that run defense, uh, he's definitely got to work on that if he wants to be successful at the next level. Well, especially coming off of a season where there's a few separate examples I can think of when the Chargers, I think Casey Hayward Jr. was one of them, Nazir Adderley was one of them, where you see a guy just trying to shoulder tackle someone and then those guys end up in the end zone. And there was a lot of shoulder tackling with Asante Samuel Jr. I mean, some of them turned into big hits, but a lot of them turned into, you know, 
guys bouncing off of him at times. So that's definitely something that he can clean up. And I think the other thing is there are a little bit of some false steps when he's in coverage. I mean, as far as closing speed, I mean, he definitely can close the gap quickly at times. But there's times where he's taking some unnecessary steps and when he really needs to close down. But in man-to-man coverage, when he was just one-on-one with the ball in the air, he didn't do a lot of grabbing and holding. He was usually able to make a play on the ball. He played Clemson in 2019. If you watch that tape, I mean, he got beat on a double pass where he still ended up in pretty good coverage and another ridiculous catch down the sideline where he still had a chance to make a play. He doesn't find himself, you know, chasing guys or in really bad coverage often. But I think what this does show you, David, even though, hey, they might not go after Asante Samuel Jr., you don't even know how the meeting goes necessarily, right? I mean, we just know that they talked. We don't even know if the Chargers liked what they heard from him. But what this does tell you, though, is they know that cornerback is an issue. They know that they don't have a lot of young promise on this team, and they have a couple of aging veterans, as Brandon Staley talked about in that podcast with Chris Collinsworth. You know, they have a lot of aged veterans, and they need to find some young guys at the position, and they would be looking at, you know, potentially some of the bigger names in this class. No, it's not Caleb Farley. No, it's not Patrick Sertan, but he's definitely in that second tier, and it would take a second-round pick probably to get this guy. Yeah, and I mean, and if you addressed, uh, you know, offensive line in, in free agency and probably again in the first round, just depending on what you do with that pick, maybe it would for you up to take a corner in the second round. We've talked about this at nauseum. We know that there's not a lot of depth behind Casey Hayward and Michael Davis. There's no youth. I mean, there's nobody there that you really feel comfortable, no offense to Brendan Faison, that or Tavon Campbell, that you would say, hey, if these two guys, Michael Davis and Casey Hayward, get hurt, that I would feel good about you know another guy stepping in and there not being too much drop-off. And that's why it's really important that they add some youth and some ability you know, at the cornerback position. So Asante Samuel Jr. would not be a bad pick there. Like I said, he's not perfect, which is why he's not a first-round first guy. But uh, I think he has a, a NFL bloodline, and he has some great skills and good some good ball skills to work with. Definitely, and he's you know has some of that feistiness to him as well as far as fighting receivers off during the route and also just making plays on the football, two very important things being a cornerback in the NFL, but you actually made me think about it. There's only one of the Chargers' top five corners that has even been drafted. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're looking at it, Michael Davis, undrafted free agent. Chris Harris Jr., undrafted free agent. Tavon Campbell, undrafted free agent. Brandon Faison. I mean, it's not as if they have a ton of resources put into that. I mean, only, you know, one of those guys, and that's Casey Hayward Jr., was even drafted. So they know they have to make a change or at and least not add drafted by the Chargers. Yeah, exactly. And not drafted by the Chargers. They have to do better in that department. And they have to build a future in that secondary because if one of those guys goes down, the uncertainty just because of the lack of experience is something that's very scary. But Justin Mello, who is the one that's basically been coming out with all of this stuff, he had the first report about Asante Samuel Jr. Also had one about wide receiver Mike Straken, who actually comes from Charleston College, which is obviously a very small school. He met with the Chargers, Jaguars, and Panthers, according to Justin Mello. But this is a small-time school guy that got invited to the Combine. He's definitely on NFL teams' radars. And just, I mean, having not been able to watch, you know, pretty much any of his tape from a guy at a very small school, looking at the tools that he has reminds me a lot of a guy like Tyrell Williams, right? I mean, this 
could play a couple of different ways. I mean, this guy is six foot five. He's a track athlete. He runs somewhere around a four three eight four four, as he put it in a conversation. I believe guilty as charged posted a conversation where he said, you know, I, my fastest is a four three eight, but I consistently run in the four fours. Somebody with that kind of size, with that speed, the first thing that comes to my mind is Tyrell Williams. And the other thing that comes to my mind is, hey, maybe this is the future for a big wide receiver if you don't have Mike Williams, because he's really the only guy with that profile. But those were just my initial thoughts. Obviously, it's a small school guy who didn't play against very good competition, but his last season when he did, he put up 19 touchdowns in his final season. So as you have talked about, David, you know, if you're at a small school, you better be able to dominate. And he did that and he got himself on NFL radars. Yeah, if you're going to be the big fish in the small pond, then you better be a whale shark, okay? You better be a blue whale. You better be the number one guy, and he definitely did that. I mean, while he was at Charleston, he rewrote several records. He had, uh, you know, the most career touchdowns at 27, the most receiving yards at 2,332, and the most receptions in a season with 78. So, uh, yeah, really small school. Uh, I mean, you got to love the 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 body type and and the skill set there. I mean, six foot five, 225 pounds, um, and a track athlete, a guy who has really pure blazing speed. Uh, we don't know how he would fit, and yeah, maybe this is a contingency plan just in case Mike Williams does walk, but the Chargers really <laughs> doing their due diligence, unturning every stone to try and make sure that they go out there and get get the work, and they talk to all the players that they have interest in, and Michael Strachan, uh, I mean, definitely an intriguing prospect. I mean, I think it's a, a crazy hard ask to see how his game translates from Division Two to the NFL, but I mean, that's what he gets an invite to the Combine for. I mean, we'll have to see what he's able to do with it. Yeah, and I mean, we have seen guys like Austin Eckler and Tyrell Williams, who are both plus athletes, be able to make the leap, but you have to really be very, very good to make that happen. So we'll see what happens. And this kind of shows you too, hey, maybe they're looking towards the end of the draft to pick up another wide receiver. But we do have two more segments to get into. We're going to talk about Daniel Popper's mailbag article that he wrote talking about if he was the GM doing things like cutting Trey Turner and trading for Orlando Brown Jr. Before wrapping the show up, getting into Brandon Staley's conversation conversation with Chris Collinsworth and Richard Sherman, we're going to get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that if you have any type of auto part need, there's only one place to go, and that is rockauto.com. One reason to prepare and maintain your cars is to save you money so that you can use that on more important things like your mortgage or food. If you guys want to stay inside, not have to go to a bunch of chain storefronts to try to look through a bunch of books to see what part that you need or have the counterman do it, you can find the part that you need online in just a few easy clicks at rockauto.com, and you can just have it delivered right to your door. I've used them for several things. It's the only place I use now, especially because they're going to give you the best price as well. Whether you're a daily driver or if you're a mechanic, you're always going to get the same price with rockauto.com. And all you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right. Well, I think you guys probably know that one of our favorite Chargers beat writers is Daniel Popper. And I say that knowing, I mean, that we have a really good relationship with a lot of those guys. I think we're lucky to have the guys in this market that we do, like Fernando Ramirez, 
like also Gilbert Manzano, all guys who have given us time and, you know, come on the show and contributed for us. But Dale Popper has come out with a mailbag where he got asked the question, you know, if there was, he was a, a genie granted him the wish to be the Chargers general manager, what would he do? And I want to start with a couple of different things that he had on here, including talking about, all right, first of all, you need to create salary cap space. And there's four guys that are going to let you do that. Trey Turner, Casey Hayward Jr., Chris Harris Jr., and Limbaugh Joseph. And the guy that he said not only is the one out of those four, but the one he would cut if he was the general manager is Trey Turner, who obviously has an $11.5 million cap hit with no dead salary cap space to have to worry about. And he also talked about the fact that, like you know Casey Hayward Jr. and Chris Harris Jr., you don't have any backup plan for Limbaugh Joseph either. So I thought this case, David, he was absolutely correct. It's probably the only decision there, and it allows you to go and improve your team in other ways once you get to free agency. Oh, it's the most obvious move to me. I mean, you you took a chance. You traded your left tackle Russell Okung to try to bring in uh, you know some established ta- talent in return, and also to get that contract off the books. Let's be real. But um, yeah, I, I think that that experiment did not work out. He d- was not able to uh, be healthy for most of the season. He dealt with a nagging injury that took him out f- uh, the better part of the year. And even when he was healthy or when he was back in there, he wasn't particularly productive. Uh, And I think that you can definitely replace that value and also maybe attack uh, another position uh, across the offensive line with that money that you would save. It's just no dead cap money. I think it's just a it's an automatic decision for me. I mean, it would have to be a decision even if he played relatively well. I mean, if Trey Turner was an, a slightly above average guard in 2020, which he wasn't, and a lot of that had to do with injuries, you would still have to ask the question of whether you want to pay him an $11.5 million contract for the 2021 season. So the fact that he was injured and did not play well, I think he's a guy who's a candidate that needs to get a fresh start probably with a new team, do some sort of prove it deal, and then try to make his money after that. But another big thing that Daniel Popper got into, too, is he said that one of the first things he would do in his offseason is trade the 13th overall pick for Orlando Brown Jr. We've talked about Orlando Brown Jr. a ton. I know that, you know, we don't want to get too much into it. But the one thing he does talk about here is that the salary cap space you would have in 2021 would still be relatively the same. Only about a $1.2 million difference between what he would make in 2021 as opposed to whoever the Chargers draft with the 13th overall pick. But... That's assuming there's no deal in place. So obviously, I've said many times before that if you're going to trade a first round pick, you want to know that you're going to have you know some certainty of re-signing Orlando Brown Jr. or you're doing it for a one-year rental, which can be pretty sketchy if you're not really getting anything after that one season and you're getting rid of you know a long-term option potentially with the 13th overall pick. So I do think some extension would have to happen, or you might end up in a situation where you're like you know Trent Williams with the San Francisco 49ers, where they don't know if he's going to come back to them after they traded him you know, for the year he had left on his deal. So I do think that number could be a little bit higher, which would change some things as far as the salary account space that the Chargers would have left. But I agree with the move as far as, hey, you can, you know, solidify that left tackle position, which has just given you so many problems. And that's one less thing going into the draft with your nine draft picks that you don't have to worry about. But it's hard to argue with the offensive line that he put together, David, because he trades for Orlando Brown Jr. He says, the more realistic thing is for the Chargers to go after some of the mid-tier offensive line signings, not somebody like Joe Thune, who he said you know is going to make $70 million and probably be the highest-paid guard in the NFL. But going for someone like 
Larry Warford or going like for someone like Corey Lindsley. That is two positions, guard and center. Now that you have, I mean, obviously veterans that have played very well. And then your overall offensive line looks pretty crazy as far as the difference between last year. So he has Orlando Brown Jr. at left tackle, either Feeney, Lamp, or Arecki at left guard, Corey Lindsley at center, Larry Warford at right guard, and then Brian Bulaga at right tackle. And he says he would still address right tackle in the draft or the rest of the offensive line and still bring in more depth there too, which you would need because Brian Bulaga is obviously coming off of a rough season. But that, I mean, to me, sounds like a pretty damn good offensive line. Yeah, it does. I mean, and that's something that the Chargers have not had for a long time. So to be able to really bring in some high-quality players, and yeah, we, we know that they've went out and a- attempted to grab some pieces before in free agency, and it didn't work out. But I think there's a couple of guys in here that you, you feel really good about that will come in and really improve an offensive line who had one of the worst pass-block win rates and one of the one of the worst run block win rates in the NFL last year. They know they need to inject some talent. I'd like to see them infuse that with some proven talent, some proven veteran talent and some rookie, uh, you know, youth as well. I think they need to add um, in free agency and the draft. I've said it many times. I'm going to say it again. They need to provide starters and quality depth so that they can have the guys to step in and not see much drop off, just like we were talking about with the corners on the offensive line. It's time to build from the inside out, and that starts this offseason and free agency. Yeah, and it's the most important thing that they have to figure out. And as long as you're signing those guys and then have contingency plans or you're bringing in guys of the future in the draft or you bring back some of your offensive linemen from last year to be backups, at least there's some consistency and chemistry there, even though most of the line would be different at that point, then you'd feel okay about it. Obviously, putting their eggs in free agents' baskets on the offensive line hasn't worked out. Brian Bulaga didn't work out. Bringing in Trey Turner hasn't worked out yet. I mean, you can name a bunch of guys, Orlando Franklin, King Dunlap, Whoever you want to name, the Chargers have made some big mistakes there. So it's hard to say, hey, they're going to only fix it through free agency. But getting Orlando Brown Jr. obviously solidifies one really, really big hole that you've had for a while. But the last thing I want to get into with Popper's mailbag is he was asked if the Chargers would go after any big running back free agents like Mark Ingram, Carlos Hyde, or you know Le'Veon Bell, playoff Lenny maybe. But he said that he doubts it. And he also said that, One thing people have to remember is that Joshua Kelly was one of the Chargers' best offensive players, not running backs, in last year's training camp, which is obviously abbreviated. But he does think that with what they saw, plus the combination of him getting his confidence back after a couple of fumbles last year, that he thinks that this coaching staff is going to be okay with Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, and Joshua Kelly going into 2021 without bringing in any more running backs. Well, we know with our experience and what we've seen out there that big free agent running back contracts usually don't work out. I mean, we've seen several guys get cut early, like, you know, Todd Gurley, guys that got big, big money, and it just did, went Well, went none down. of these guys are getting big money, though, either. No, no, they're not. But my philosophy is remains the same. I mean, I'm not looking to really invest any kind of significant money to a running back, um, especially a free agent running back. I mean, I think I'd much rather get an undrafted guy or somebody late in the draft if I have to spend capital on that. But uh, I don't think that they should be targeting a running back in free agency whatsoever. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. There's just no need for it. I mean, I'm not sold on Josh Kelly. 
not sold on the health of Justin Jackson or even, you know, having guys who have issues being the two guys that are behind Austin Eckler, who hasn't been the healthiest or has been banged up, you know, at points of his career. So I do think, you know, you have to probably bring in some bodies there. But yes, use as little as you can. Try to find the diamond in the rough at that position because it's proven it can be done. So we do have one more segment to get into, though, because we weren't even going to talk about this. But Chris Collinsworth, Richard Sherman, and Brandon Staley had such a good conversation on his podcast, a long conversation. I would highly recommend everyone listen to it. And he had a lot of interesting things to say. So we're going to get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Chargers podcast is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. If you guys aren't even, you know, into betting on sports, you can pretty much bet on anything on betonline.ag because they cover award shows, TV shows, and even reality TV. Even if you want to keep betting on the NFL, there are so many future bets. If the Chargers will make the Super Bowl, if they'll make the playoffs, if they'll make the NFC, or if they'll be the AFC West champions. I mean, so many things that you can still bet on covering the NFL there, but if you guys haven't already, make sure to head to the website and, or use your mobile device to sign up today and you guys can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDON, that's a LOCKEDON, all caps, one word at betonline.ag and you guys can get some free money with your 50% welcome bonus. Alright, so getting into this Chris Collinsworth podcast with Brandon Staley on it, talking with Richard Sherman, I think one of the first things that really just stood out to you is just, I mean, Brandon Staley talking with a football mind like Richard Sherman was a delight to listen to, David. I mean, the way those guys were going back and forth at the end of the show, they actually took some of the parts that weren't meant to be on the podcast, where it's just Brandon Staley and Richard Sherman going back and forth talking about football stuff, and they added that in, and that was kind of cool. Kind of just getting, you know, Brandon Staley unfiltered, even though he doesn't say anything bad. I mean, it's just him when he's just talking football, and it was something that was very nice to hear. I mean, it's just refreshing hearing guys like that talk about football at that level. I mean, And you can definitely hear that there was some chemistry there between Richard Sherman and Brandon Staley, and it kind of seemed like a little bit towards the end Chris Collinsworth was – trying to like tee it up for uh, Brandon Staley uh, that Richard Sherman was a free agent and that he should potentially join the Chargers. Yeah, he said that he didn't want to get Brandon Staley in any tampering trouble with the league or anything like that because obviously he really can't say anything at all at this point of the NFL offseason. But what he had to say was, that's a beautiful question to finish with because the smiles on our faces just say it all. That's what makes the NFL so special because when you smile like this, There's a ton of respect. So, yes, there is definitely some flirtation on the podcast between Chris Collinsworth and Richard Sherman. But, of course, you know, one of the biggest questions that Brandon Staley has come up against in this media tour that he's on is, hey, you just signed up to be a coach in the division where the juggernaut Chiefs currently reside. Like, what do you do about that? And I really like the conversation that him and Richard Sherman were having about it, you know, and there was a lot of key things that they touched on there. I mean, the first thing is not letting Patrick Mahomes have any of those extra scramble plays, not having any leaky yardage, as they put it, being able to, you know, snuff those things out, not letting them get those second attempts and getting those, you know, plays, David, where you lose your guy in coverage because Patrick Mahomes is back there scrambling. And then all of a sudden he's throwing a 60 yard bomb down the field. And he talked about the fact that Richard Sherman's 49ers, 
and this last season with the Tampa Bay Bucks, both of those teams were able to make them walk the ball down the field. They're not giving up those chunk plays. They're not giving up those explosives, as you put it, and as they put it. And that was a key thing that not only should the Chargers do, but it's something that has helped them stay close in a lot of these games the last couple of years. Yeah, I was going to say that's something that they have done the last couple of years. I think there hasn't been a team out there that's played the Chiefs any closer than the Chargers have, and it's because, uh, and I hate to give this guy credit because I really hate watching his defense, but <laughs> Gus Bradley uh, had a phenomenal plan against uh, you know Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, quite frankly. I mean, his system was set up to limit the explosive plays, to try to get pressure with a four-man rush, um, to have some athletic linebackers to try to cover um, and force them to, to you know, to take the underneath stuff and not get the big, big bombs that they're so accustomed to and not allow him to operate off script and, and really move off of and continue the plays. That's what the Chargers have done. I think they did a great job of that, and that's why they played them so close. And we've seen that that same philosophy obviously executed to a better degree because they got better results. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took that blueprint, and they, they implemented it to perfection. And they had the players to be able to execute that. I think you're going to see uh, this offseason, especially on the Chargers' defense, they're going to try to instill, instill or employ guys that are going to be able to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, yeah, they're the king of the mountaintop right now, and you have to knock them off, especially in your own division. If you want to even think about a division title, it starts with being able to beat the Chiefs. But he said that one of the most criminally underrated things that you know both the Seahawks had with Richard Sherman and that they had last year with the Bucks going up against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl was having good linebackers. And what he said about that is, you hit on something there, too, that you have to have to beat Kansas City. You have to have linebackers that can run. You guys had Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright. They had Levante David and Devin White. You have to be able to guard Travis Kelsey. You know how much they put Tyreek Hill at three, which is basically in the slot. Or Sammy, If even if you have five DBs on the field, the linebacker is going to be on somebody. And I think that's so underrated. That's the thing about the NFL that you have to have. You have to have linebackers that can run. Obviously, we just saw a Super Bowl where... Those two guys, Devin White and Levante David, played out of their minds and it made a huge difference against Travis Kelsey and stopping those plays, you know, the play, you know, the yard leakage that they're talking about, which is, you know, missing tackles, giving up a bunch of yards after the catch on throws to the flat and stuff like that, which are what the Chiefs try to do, you know, when the deep stuff isn't there. So I think that was really important. And you just have to wonder, are Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray the guys he feels like can actually be able to do that, right? I mean, both of those guys, I would say, are pretty athletic linebackers. But at the same time, Kenneth Murray, that was not his strength last year coverage. But Brandon Staley believes that he can do it, at least from what he's talked about him, what he has been, what he has been saying about him so far. But Herbert, obviously, was another big topic on this podcast, as he's been on everywhere that Brandon Staley has gone. And I thought it was pretty cool hearing about when Brandon Staley was actually breaking down Utah's defense last year, and they ended up taking a Utah defender in the drafts the Rams did when Brandon Staley was their defensive coordinator. But he said that when he was watching the Utah game, the Utah team in that Pac-12 championship game, he saw Justin Herbert going up against them. And he said, you know, he was going up against a team that had nine NFL players. He was the star of that game. He was the guy that took over that game, and he felt like a championship player. He said he thinks there's a difference between a talented star and being a champion, and that's something that he saw in Justin Herbert. And I think whether it's that game, 
whether it's some of the games he had last year kind of willing the Chargers to be in some of these games or even in college and like games like the Rose Bowl and the Pac-12 championship. I mean, he's just a gamer. He goes out there and he balls out. And I do think that is a pretty high compliment to get from your new head coach is like, hey, I got the vibe from this guy that he is going to always give whatever team he's on a chance to win because he's just that type of player. Yeah, and he talked about elevating the guys around him too. And what made him a championship player was how he performed in the two minute and at the end of games. Because Chris Collinsworth, uh, around that point in the conversation, also brought up about how, you know, he was really good under pressure, but how that is not really something that's transferable or something that usually carries over from year to year. But what does, um, as far as Brandon Staley is concerned, is the ability to execute in the two-minute and at the end of games. And he also talked about how he did a really good job of protecting the football and not taking a lot of sacks, Daniel. And I think that really uh, shows how smart he, how smart Justin Herbert was and uh, you know how he learned and got better throughout the year. I mean, he made a couple of dumb mistakes early on in the season, but you didn't really see him make those same mistakes. So I think that just showed how intelligent he was and how he was able to make those mistakes and learn from them and ultimately get better. And uh, I'm excited to see what Brandon Staley's imprint on this offense is going to be and what he's going to do for Justin Herbert. Absolutely. And he always talks about, you know, how he has a good head on his shoulders and to say that he didn't take a lot of sacks last year with that offensive line because rookie quarterbacks usually hold on to the ball too long. That's a pretty big testament for Justin Herbert and his pocket presence was something that definitely surprised me. It seemed like he had such a good feel for the pocket, especially after that Carolina Panthers matchup where he gets stripped. I mean, it seemed like that never happened to him again the rest of the season as Daniel Jones is every year, you know, fumbling 25 times a year, right? So that was just something that's an <laughs> underrated part of his game that he was, you know, far past his years in that. And first he took season. some big hits too. And he took he took some yeah. big hits and he was able to protect the football. I mean, that just shows you he learns. Well, it seemed like he learned from some of those big hits because he wasn't putting himself in many of those situations by the end of the season where he was taking some of those big shots, you know, unless it's a quarterback sneak at the goal line, you I have was to in. have it. Yeah. But anyways, I thought another big thing he said about Justin Herbert is just by talking to some of the other players, he's just one of the guys, right? And sometimes quarterbacks can be put up on this pedestal where other guys can look at them and really not like the preferential treatment that that position just gets in general from the NFL because of the rules that are set in place, but also on teams, you know, I mean, wearing the red jersey, you can't hit him. It's hard to respect guys like that, but if those same guys or in the weight room with you early in the morning, just getting after it. If those same guys are putting in all the work and you can tell he's one of the hardest working guys on the team, now he's just one of the guys. He's a football player. He's not a quarterback. He's just another guy. He's going to lift with you. He's going to run with you. He's going to watch film with you. He's just another guy. And I think he's he's in the trenches. He's doing the work along with you. He's not just sitting there and benefiting from the, all the work that you're putting in on the side. He's in there putting in the work with you. Exactly. And Brandon Staley said that all of the best quarterbacks, in his opinion, are guys that do just that and can be one of the guys. Right. And I think that is another important thing that many people maybe didn't think Justin Herbert could be. And now, as you're hearing from his teammates, as you're hearing from his new head coach, as you've seen with his interactions with his teammates, he is one of those guys. And I think he's a very liked player on this team and all of those concerns have kind of gone out the window but that was a really refreshing conversation if you guys haven't checked it out it is a chris collinsworth podcast with richard sherman where brandon staley goes on i mean it's a delightful conversation and we're glad they're having it 
But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Until next time, guys, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnLAC, as well as giving us a like on our Facebook page, LockedOnChargers, and giving a follow to our new Instagram page, also at LockedOnChargers. If you guys don't already, make sure to subscribe to the show. You can find us wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's giving us a follow on Spotify or subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us anywhere, and that's always the fastest and easiest way to get the show. If you guys want to get your voices on the show, there's only one way to do it. You call into the Locked On Chargers voicemail line. The number for that is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But that's going to do it for us for today's show. Tomorrow is Free Agent Friday, so we'll be talking about some guys like Von Miller, who is likely to get released from the Broncos, J.J. Watt, including a couple of potential reunions for the Chargers with maybe a guy like Jason Barrett or Tyrell Williams. So a lot to get into on Free Agent Friday, so make sure to check back in with us then. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.